It is great to see each of you here this evening, both members and visitors alike. We are just always excited to be able to sing hymns of praise to God and to worship Him, to worship God. It's just so exciting to be able to worship God and to know that He's responding this evening to our worship. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Oh, great and gracious uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for thinking of us, for putting us first, and to even understand that, that you could put us before yourself, the creator of the universe and the sustainer of all life. It just, it just mesmerizes us. We're so thankful, oh God, that you loved us so very much that, that Jesus came. and He died that we might live. He sacrificed himself for each of us. Thank you so very much for being so kind and so compassionate and so merciful and so gracious. We thank you for your tender love. In Jesus' holy name we pray to be thy will. Amen. Tonight, Judas, uh, we're going to John chapter 6. Probably nothing you've ever heard before. uh, But I want us to talk tonight just about Judas and kind of finishing off our lesson uh, series that we started some time ago on the apostles. It's interesting when you read things about Judas, you're going to read things that you never probably thought you'd read. Like the first time I read where Judas was the good guy and Jesus was the bad guy, kind of threw me for a loop. I'm like, something's wrong here, right? Um, But there are books out about Judas that Jesus and God, if you will, gave Judas a bad rap. In fact, they've even said that we give Judas a bad rap. Others have said that it was God who made Judas, right? forced Judas to betray Jesus. There's all this talk, if you will, rhetoric about Judas. Judas is greater than Jesus. Well, who was Judas then, right? Judas the uh, Iscariot. Well, the Bible tells us in the beginning that the love of money is the root of all evil. That's your description of Judas, right? So keeping that in mind, the love of money is the root of all evil. We know what happened to Judas. He loved money so much that that's what got him into so much trouble. I want to show you that Jesus, for Judas, was an opportunity as equal as it was a betrayal, right? It was an opportunity. So what did Jesus say? John 6 and verse 66. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore because of the teaching of Jesus, right? Verse 67. Jesus said, therefore, to the twelve, you do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus answered them, Did I myself not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray Jesus or betray him. Judas, John, John chapter 12, Judas just plain and simply was a thief. You know, it's, it, it, it should, for just a moment, just think for just, for just a moment, you know who Jesus is. How do you steal standing right next to God? <laughs> just, so you've got to be pretty bold for some of this, some of the activity uh, of Judas. Beginning in verse 1, Jesus therefore six days before the Passover came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. 
So they made him a supper there. And Martha was serving. But Lazarus was uh, one of the one who was reclining at the table with him. Mary, therefore, took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now he said this, not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box. And he used to pilfer what was put into it. And what's amazing about Judas and his character is, I mean, he was a leader and, and the apostles, but they never ever suspected him of doing anything wrong, if you will, or, or evil. Jesus chose the twelve and he gave them authority. They had authority over evil spirits and Jesus gave them authority to cast out demons. Matthew 12. Satan literally with Judas was casting out Satan. Which is, which is interesting. Kind of think about it, right? Jesus said Judas was a devil and yet God gave Jesus, Judas power to cast out demons. And, and so Satan literally, by using Judas as a, as a pawn or a piece of uh, his work, was literally casting out himself. In verse 25. Uh, uh, Matthew chapter 12. And knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then shall his kingdom stand? And that's exactly right. His kingdom couldn't stand. It didn't stand. Right? So, Matthew 12, we, we get the understanding of what Jesus is saying. Satan cannot, if Satan cast out Satan, you're going to have issues. That's what happened. Satan's kingdom can never stand against God's kingdom. But here's what's appalling. Mark chapter 3, not only was he one of Jesus' disciples, he had the power to cast out demons. But in Mark 3.13, he was a preacher. Right? Verse 13 says, And he went up to the mountain and summoned those who he himself wanted, and they came to him. And he pointed the twelve, they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach. So here's a man who's in love with money, who has the power to cast out demons, the authority to cast out demons. He's a preacher walking with Jesus and walking with the apostles. The problem is the man loved money. He was a lover of money. And so he saw in Jesus an opportunity. Okay? He was very smooth. Mark 14. He was, I would say he was as smooth as butter. I mean, he was so smooth that they just didn't suspect him. Right? No one suspected Judas, the betrayer. And maybe it was hidden. Whatever it was, they just didn't suspect the preacher to be the betrayer. Right? But he was. And it's because his heart was evil from the beginning. Mark 14 and verse 18. Jesus is talking to the disciples. And they were reclining at the table and eating. And Jesus said, Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me. One who is eating with me. Okay, that nails it down, right? That nails it down. 
So he started looking around going, who could it be? They didn't suspect Judas. And then it goes on to say in verse 19, they began to be grieved and say to, one, say to him one by one, surely not I. No one could figure it out. Who could this be? Jesus knew who he was, right? John 13, please. John 13 and, and verse 10. Jesus knew him very well, but he had the rest of the apostles. He had the apostles just, if you will, they were duped. They didn't see it. John 13 and verse 10, the Bible says, Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not, not all of you. One of you has some issues. And Judas is sitting there, and he's not responding. So just imagine that. Turn to Matthew 26. He's not responding He's not reacting. He's, you know, he doesn't feel like he's going to be caught. I mean, he's just smooth. And they see him as one of them. Like, almost so much to where you think maybe they might be saying, you sure Jesus knows what he's talking about? I mean, everything else he says is right, but it couldn't be one of us, could it? It doesn't give us any information as to the dialogue that maybe Judas pulls a few of them aside and says, hey guys, what's going on? You know, we don't know that, right? It doesn't give us that information. I guess it's not important, but we know, we see how smooth Judas is. In Matthew 26, in verse 21, the Bible says, and they were eating, and he said, truly I say to you that one of you will betray me. And then verse 24, the Son of Man is going it's to go, just as it's written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. And here's the mercy of God. Right? Because you know, two people know what's going on. Judas and Jesus. And Jesus is saying, Judas, I'm going to give you another chance. Save your soul. Without saying that, that's the implication. Every time Jesus says this in front of Judas, he's saying to Judas, I know what you're doing. I'm going to give you another chance to save your soul. But Judas, who was a lover of money, so far gone at this point. The Bible says in verse 25, and Judas, who was betraying him, answered it and said, Surely it's not I, Rabbi. And he said to him, You said it yourself. Now remember what Jesus said. It was better, Judas. It's better for you if you had never been born. And he still doesn't turn around. Be careful how you view money. Because the love of money will eat you alive. I mean, that's the lesson we take away from Judas, right? We take that away. We, we take away, be careful uh, of, of having blind eyes and not recognizing our surroundings. We take from this account so many things about, about people in general Never be surprised at what some folks will do. Right? So this lover of money is seeking opportunity to get more money. So he has the money pouch or bag or whatever it may be. And he's pilfering from it. He's taking some here and taking some there and trying to figure out how to, how to get more money and all those things. And an opportunity is right in front of him. Jesus. Jesus is a great opportunity. So far, Jesus has done well. Folks are giving Jesus money. 
Folks are raising money for Jesus and they're bringing it right to Judas. It's working perfectly. His plan, his scheme is working perfectly. And what if Jesus died, right? I mean, he said he was going to die. What if he dies? No one knows I have all the money. I mean, I'm set for life, right? Opportunity. Matthew 26, beginning at verse 1. So we're listening to the words of Jesus and going, wow, thank you, God, for that amazing message. Judas is listening to the adversaries saying things like, we got to get that man. See, so many people wanted Jesus dead. Matthew 26, beginning at verse 1. And it came about that when Jesus had finished all the words, or these words, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man is to be delivered up for crucifixion. Then the chief priest and the elders of the people were gathered together in the court of the high priest named Caiaphas. And they plotted together to seize Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they were saying, not during the festival, lest a riot occur among the people. Opportunity. Huh. The leaders don't like Jesus. Luke chapter 6. And, and, they, and they have said, right, in, in many different ways, we've got to figure out what to do with Jesus. And, and they weren't oblivious of that. The apostles weren't oblivious of that. Jesus taught about this and, and showed them and shared with them. Luke 6, beginning at verse, verse 6. And it came about on another Sabbath that he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And there was a man there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees were watching him closely to see if he healed on the Sabbath in order that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the withered hand, Rise, come forward. And he arose and came forward. And Jesus said to him, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them all, he said to them, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they themselves were filled with rage and discussed together what they might do with Jesus. Matthew 26, I'm skipping and just kind of giving you snippets into things that Judas knows or sees or can sense when he sees how people are looking at Jesus and he's saying, here, here's an opportunity, right? Here's an opportunity for the lover of money to make some more money. And he knows who to make it with. Who do you strike a deal with? The people who have money and the people who hate Jesus the most. So he's watching this and he's gauging uh, his situation. In verse 59 of Matthew chapter 26, there the Bible says, Now the chief priests and the whole council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus in order that they might put him to death. And they did not find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. But later on, two came forward and said, This man stated, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it. In three days, and the high priest stood up and said to him, Do you make no answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? Now, I know Judas is not here in this sense. I'm just trying to show you that people wanted Jesus dead. Right? They weren't playing, playing games. They wanted him dead. Right? Uh, here, again, standing before the high priest. Uh, verse 63. 
But Jesus kept silent, and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you or all the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you hereafter, you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes, saying, He has blasphemed. What further need do we have a witness? Behold, you have now heard the blasphemy. Put him to death. Right. They, they wanted to do this for a long time. Matthew chapter 12. They wanted to put Jesus to death and Judas has watched and listened to the words, if you will, that were echoed from the people around who were against the Lord. In verse, verse 8, For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And departing from there, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man with a withered hand. And they questioned him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? In order that they might accuse him. And he said to them, What man shall there be among you who shall have one sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not take hold of it and lift it out? Or how much more value than, uh, excuse me, more value than is a man than a sheep? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored to normal like the other. But the Pharisees went out and counseled together against him as to how they might destroy him. You know how when you, um, I wanted to read this again, different account. You know how rumors go around, start hearing stuff, right? You know, and the rumor comes out, you know, you know, you apostles, y'all follow that Jesus and you do know that, you know, these Pharisees are, are convening and, and counseling together and they're going to find a way to, to kill your Lord. And if you're the, the money lover, if you will, the lover of money and the pilfer of the money bag, um, what do you start thinking about? I'm going to lose my money. I need to find a way to get some more money. I need to, I need to find a way to fix this. And no, I can't, uh, I can't change what's going to happen. Jesus has a lot of enemies. I've got to find a way to fix this. John 7 and, and verse 40. But he can't fix it. He cannot. Verse 40, the Bible says, Some of the multitude, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, This certainly is the prophet. Others were saying, This is the Christ. Still others were saying, Sure, the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? Has not the Scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division in the multitude because of him. And some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. Again, who is right there listening? Who's watching? Who's witnessing? Judas, right? John 8, in verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my name, and he saw it and was glad. The Jews therefore said to him, You are not 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. And therefore they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Jesus. They want Jesus dead. John 10. What am I going to do about this money situation that I have? 
in my hand. Verse 31. John 10 and verse 31. The Jews took up stones again to stone him. Verse 39. Therefore they were seeking again to seize him and he eluded their grasp. I mean, this was a continual thing in the life of Jesus. And then when those, those, uh, the Sanhedrin or, or John 11, the, the, uh, the chief priests come together and they convene this council about what are we going to do with Jesus, right? John 11 verse 47. Therefore the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and were saying, what are we, what are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. So here's what's important. It's not that Judas doesn't know who Jesus is. He's witnessing the miracles. And yet his heart is so hardened, he doesn't care. He only cares about one thing, himself, right? That money, that money bag that he has on his side. If we haven't gone on like this, all men will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But a certain one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all nor do you take into account that it is expedient for you that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation should not perish. Now this he did not say on his own initiative, but being a high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but that he might also gather together into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they planned together to kill him. Taking it, if you will, to another level. But even in that council, the men knew who Jesus was. He was performing noteworthy miracles. There was no explanation for Jesus except what the scripture says. Except for the prophecy. There's no question that Jesus was God, Emmanuel. They didn't like God. Think about that, right? The people didn't like God. The Bible tells us in prophecy, Isaiah 53, that he was rejected by his own people. John chapter 1, he was rejected by his own people. His own did not receive him. Nicodemus gives us a snippet into that conversation in their council in John chapter 3, uh, beginning at verse 1. Nicodemus is a counter with Jesus. He says... And there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with you. There is no question about Judas knowing who Jesus was the council knowing who Jesus was, the world knowing who Jesus was, and yet the power of the love of money can take your heart that far away from God. Isn't that amazing? That's the power of the love of money. And Judas, looking for an opportunity, seizes it when it's in front of him. Matthew chapter twenty. 7 in verse, in verse 18. When Jesus, or Judas rather, finds that uh, this, this council, this desire to kill Jesus is right 
in front of them. He seizes it. Here's a question that I have for you to ponder upon. Did Judas ever actually love God? Was, was Judas conflicted with the love of money and righteousness? Was Judas fighting within himself to not be who he was or what he was? We don't even, we don't know that. But this is where the sympathizers come in and say, well, you know, God made him do it. And we know the Bible's clear that God never violated Judas's free will. Just like he never violates our free will. But here's what we can see and what we know from history. For those who absolutely love money, you see more evil in this world than almost anything else. Lovers of money are very destructive and they care about no one but themselves. We've got to guard our hearts from the love of money. Judas, Matthew 27 and verse 18. Pilate realized something. Jesus was innocent. Verse 18 says, For he knew that they, because of envy, they delivered Jesus, they delivered him up. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife said to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man. For last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. And I wonder, while Jesus was going through his trial, standing before Pilate and all that was going on, I wonder how Judas played this off in the midst of his disciples. You know what else I wonder? I wonder what kind of conversation other than what's recorded when all the disciples came together all 12 of them while Judas is still alive speaking of Jesus I wonder what they talked about I wonder in Matthew 26 in verse 14 the Bible gives us the famous account of the bargaining chip that Judas took a part of. Then one of the twelve named Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest. How did he know which chief priest to go to? Right? How did he know who to talk to? How did he know that these men wanted Jesus dead? See, he knew it all. Because while we're listening to the message of God, Judas was looking for an opportunity to betray the Lord because he saw a money-making scheme, scandal, whatever it may be, opportunity. Verse 15. And said, What will you give me to deliver him up to you? And they weighed out to him. So if you're reading your old book, and you're reading through the prophecies, that number should ring a bell. 30 shekels of silver. You know, you're reading your Bible and you, you learn some things and then you, you go about your way and then one day something happens and you go, I read that in the Bible. I read about that in the Bible. Or maybe you read something somewhere, like one of those sayings uh, uh, that someone may, may say or quote, and you go, I know where that is in the Bible. You would think that Judas might have thought, wait a minute, 30 pieces, I've read that somewhere in the Bible. Maybe that's a clue. <laughs> maybe I ought to stop. Maybe when Jesus said, the one who dips his bread with me 
And then when you dip and he dips, maybe that was a clue. What do you think? Right? So when someone says to you, well, God made him do it, Judas had every chance. I want to think of this, that the two men uh, who were, if you will, uh, betrayers or standing against God that I think of. Two men that I'm thinking of. One, Judas, and, and the second, Pharaoh. And what did God do? Well, God said to Moses, Moses, you'll be like God, and Aaron will be like you. He'll be your prophet. I'll put my words in your mouth, and you tell Aaron, and Aaron will tell the folks. And so, so Pharaoh was close to Moses. God gave Pharaoh every opportunity to change. More than anyone else, in, in a sense, right? Judas walked with Jesus for three years. And God gave him every opportunity to change. But he chose not to. Tonight, here's the question. Is God talking to you? Is there something that makes you go, I read about that in the Bible. What are you going to do about that? Right? What are you going to do about that moment, that, that instruction, that, those words that God gives to you? Or are you so far gone? And there are people like that. They're so far gone that they'll say, I know I'm wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. Right? I mean, well, actually, I've said that once. <laughs> you ever said it before? Right? You ever been in that? The last verse says, and from then on, he began looking for opportunity to betray him. Right. I got the money. What am I going to do about it? Now what? So now, Judas got everything he ever wanted. He's got some more riches. And by the way, the Bible says you'll never be satisfied with money anyway. So, you know, he's got to look for another opportunity to get some more. But now he's got the money. Judas, now what, Judas? Now what? Does this bring you happiness? No. No, it doesn't. In fact, his own love for evil will be his own destruction. And that's how Satan works. Let me close by saying this. The temptations of Satan come to us in a pretty old package. It looks good on the outside. Beautiful, it's, it's nicely wrapped. It's got a bow on it. Might even have a little card. And you look at it and go, "Wow, that's for me." And when you open it up, it's like dead bones inside of it. Right? Be careful when you receive a package from Satan. Throw it away. It's not going to help you. Right? Tonight, if you are struggling in your walk of faith, is there something that we can do to help you? If tonight you would like to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism, if tonight we can pray with you or pray for you. Please make it known while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Singing redemption song. Sing the sweet story, redemption sweet song. Over and over, the chorus prolonged. 
Shout out the blood message and joy. 